When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Greetings and welcome back to One True Pod, brought to you by DirecTV Stream. Get your TV together with the best of live and on demand. Learn more at directtv.com. We are the Big 12 Podcast on the Andy Staples Show and Friends Podcast feed. Thanks as always for listening. My name is Jason Kersey, joined as always by my good friends Max Olson, Sam Kahn. Gentlemen, uh, another interesting week of Big 12 football to talk about. Max, how you doing? Hey, buddy. Um, I'm good. Good. I'm. I'm. I mean, I don't know about the picks. I'm pretty psyched out at this point about my picks. It's going well, horrible. But you've got a strategy, and we'll get to that later. You guys, you my, have... my picks, my fantasy football, everything's going horrible for me this year. It really is. I mean, is I've this, lost. Is this just like part of being a dad, Sam? Like, is my is it just hard to hard to give a hundred when it comes what? to work? When it when it rains, it pours. Yeah, let me tell you, I I was never worse at my job than I was when I became a new father. So. Mm. Uh, that that I'm gonna go with that ha- excuse. That, that feels like the more convenient excuse. I'm gonna go with that. Yeah. Because let me tell you, when, when you're up at 3 a.m. trying to give a bottle to your kid or change a diaper, the last thing you're thinking about is the point spread between Texas and TCU. I can promise you. Well, that sounds a little bit like an excuse, Max. Um. <laughs> it's it's God. What a blessing! I'm not spending. I'm not betting any of my like real money on any of this stuff. Because man, we would be. Yeah, they would they would be coming to, you know, take away the crib and, and everything else here, you know. I was I'm, I'm say, seriously thinking about broke. Pay, betting money against against your picks, but people we'll, should we'll have to. people should. Yeah. <laughs> well so that's where I'm at. I'm I'm a little psyched out. How are you guys doing? Yeah, Sam Sam, how are you doing? I'm I'm good. I'm I'm tied for first with you at this moment, so that's that's fantastic. But I got to take in a couple of games last week, which were fun. We'll talk about one of those later. Uh, yeah. The Iron Skillet, but uh, good weekend of football, and uh, things are getting really interesting here, both at the conference and across the country. So uh, I I am doing great right now. Well, Jason, how are you? I, I'm good. You were at a couple games. I was at a game last weekend as well, Oklahoma, West Virginia. And I think we need to start there um, because there was a little bit of controversy, a little bit of uh, a, there was a moment during the game that got a lot of attention that I think we need to discuss. Um, Spencer Rattler, the preseason Heisman favorite and projected number one overall pick, not anymore, um, was not only booed, but there were openly there were open chants from the student section, especially, but other parts of the stadium as well. We want Caleb as in five-star freshman, Caleb Williams. I've been on the beat, you know, on and off for, for close to 10 years. And I've seen some quarterback controversies. I have never seen anything like that before. And, uh, I can get into my thoughts in a minute, but I'll, I'll open it up to you guys. What was your reaction to that moment? Uh, Sam, I'll start with you. A little surprised because Oklahoma's fan base and Jason, you know, I've I've been to a bunch of games there. You know, spent a lot of time there on, in 2019. 
And I've always it always struck me as a really good fan base, uh, you know, energetic, passionate, supportive, and to hear that for their starting quarterback. And I understand he's struggling; he is struggling. I, I don't think anybody would deny that. But to hear that was a little disheartening, and at the same time, not terribly surprising because I feel like in 2021 standards have kind of gone out the window to a certain extent, especially with drunk fans in the stands, but it still was a little disappointing to me because regardless of how you feel about the guy, there's no need to chant for his backup. I mean, you can do that on the message board. You can do that on the radio talk shows. That's what that's all for. But in the stands, support your guys when they're out there. Okay. They're doing the best they can. They're, you know, they're, they, they spend their entire life for this. They, he, Spencer Rattler didn't go out there all week and not watch film and practice like crap because he doesn't care and doesn't and wants to lose. The guy's working hard and is busting his rear end every day. And you got you've got to support that in my opinion. Even if you don't like the Brazilian result. Yeah. Well Jason, yeah, why why are they booing him, in your opinion? Well, I'm not sure if they're booing him or if they're booing the whole offense. And that's that's the you know it's it's you never know exactly. I mean now, when they say we want Caleb, we clearly know who that's directed at. But when they were booing, I got the sense that it was more about booing the offense. The offense, Oklahoma's offense has been bad this year. I mean, let's just be let's just be honest about it. They they have not been a good offense this year, and their numbers are down overall. But they're also very inflated by the Western Carolina game. They scored seventy six points, and they. Lower, they only played a 12 minute fourth quarter in that game because it was such a blowout. I mean, so I, if you take that game out, their numbers are in the lower half of the Big 12. And so, um, I understand why fans are frustrated, completely understand. Um, and I don't think booing is a big deal. I think booing is part of sports. That part doesn't really bother me. I think that you cross the, the line was crossed with the chanting. I just don't think that was necessary. Max, what did you think? I think that you should take a five-star QB and then you should take a, a three-star, a couple three-star QBs after him and then take another five-star QB. I think when Caleb has throws a pick, they're going to be chanting, we want Malachi, right? Yeah. <laughs> That's just how they, if OU's going to keep stacking these guys, then the backup is always going to be, and you know, I mean, look, this is, this is just part of college football, right? Like it, it, it's just no matter what program, like this is always part of it. Everyone thinks the backup QBs potentially better than the starter when they're struggling. And so, right. Lincoln Riley is stacking extremely good backup quarterbacks. And um, so I can, I can understand why people want to see Caleb more. Um, I don't, I don't know. There seems to be something about Rattler that people are a little, I I don't know. They wouldn't have ever done this to Baker. Right. Right. Jason. I mean, there's something about Rattler that it seems to people seem to like, is it because he just has flashed such high end potential that when he isn't, when it's not clicking, and look, as you said, I mean, that could be offensive line, that could be play calling, that could be all sorts of other things. Um, certainly not running the ball at a, at a super high level either, right? There's lots of stuff. It's it same right. as Clemson, right? There's lots of pieces to this that are not really fitting together perfectly yet. Um, but it seems like there's something about Rattler where we, he's flashed this just incredible arm talent, and people have put these expectations on him ever since his first start, basically that this guy's going to be number one pick, that this guy's going to be Heisman, keep the run of Heisman's going, all that. That it's like when he has these kind of shaky games, is it is it just that people know how good he can be that they just sort of like assume he's not trying hard enough or something? 
I think that's part of it. I think that uh, I mean, look, and I'm not saying this is right. Or do you, do you agree with with Stu's assessment last week that, that pe- basically it's just been a runaway hype thing that that was maybe you know sort of undeserved in some ways? I don't know about that because he was a five star quarterback. He did finish last season really strong. I think uh, he only threw two interceptions in their last seven or eight games last year. They crushed Florida in the Cotton Bowl. They they won the Big Twelve. They won what eight or nine games in a row to end the season. So I I don't I don't know about that. Um, I think the hype was was sort of legit. I think that one thing that has bothered people, and I'm not saying it's right. I'm just saying that it's the world we live in now. The NIL stuff, I think, has has tainted people's view of him a little bit. And I'm not saying that it should. I am not saying that. I don't think that it should. I don't think it should matter. But you, when you're, Do you still get a lot of comments and tweets about that stuff? About that. I mean, look, you can, you know, I, I, I don't know. When he shows up at his postgame press conference wearing a diamond-encrusted necklace of his personal logo, first, I don't think that's a big deal, but there are a lot of people who do think that's a big deal. There are a lot of people who think if he's in Chicago signing autographs for $150 each, maybe he's not practicing hard enough. I mean, that, mm. that's that's the talk that I see on social media. Again, not that I agree with it, but I just think this is a new world of NIL. Baker was never out doing things promoting um, Kane's chicken. You know, he was never out um, promoting a protein supplement like Spencer is doing. I but mean, but it's also kind of like saying, well, if Tom Brady has a bad game, it's maybe it's because he did right. that subway commercial. Right. You know what exactly. I mean? Like, what it's are we that, talking right. about here? That, that's you what know? I'm saying. It's, you know. Dak Prescott can throw three interceptions and no one's blaming Pepsi or whatever. For, for that, sure. You know? For sure. So, yeah. so, so I don't think that, uh, I don't think that's fair, but I also think that is a thing. It's, it's, here's the thing. I, it is a thing. And I think it's tales all this time. It, people have been doing this with pro athletes forever. When, when a pro athlete comes on the scene and starts doing a bunch of commercials, it's like, well, maybe you should do fewer commercials or whatever. It's crap. Okay. It's, it's ridiculous. It's nonsense. I understand that that's that. And I agree with you, Jason, that is part of where this blowback comes from on Spencer and any athlete that it's so has, yeah, because NIL, but it's crap. And to me, it's just a way for, you know, fans to throw nonsense onto them and just, you know, trash them because they're just unhappy with how they're playing. Look, dude, there's 24 hours in a day. They they have a certain amount of time that they spend on football. They have a certain amount of time they spend on class. If we're really worried about all that, then you need to let's let's ask how, how much time is being spent on all this all this all this other stuff. You go into class, uh, you know, studying all that. That's part of the student athlete experience, but I've never heard a, a fan complain about, well, that kid's studying too much, you know, because they don't care. All they care about is the performance on the field. And uh, as unfortunate as that is, that that's just the reality of it. So I, I think it's a silly excuse. The, the bottom line is the kid's not playing well. And I, I agree with Max, you mentioned what Stu said. I think a little bit is that we've built them up a little bit more than what, he probably should have to this point based on performance. I think his performance has been really good, but I don't think it's been sustained long enough to, uh, for us to crown him as number one pick. Jason, I, I, I'm, maybe you can back me up on this, but I would also throw out there because you just watched in the last two weeks, like West Virginia and Nebraska have pretty damn good defenses. That's also true, you know? And so there's, there, there's certainly like, I mean, we need to at least acknowledge there's a Lincoln Riley component to this too, of look, they've got to figure out a way to get this thing rolling again against good defenses, especially in a conference right now where there are quite a few teams that can, you know, I, I thought West Virginia 
played a hell of a game mm-hmm. uh, against them in Norman. And uh, I think there are there are other teams in this conference that can play good defense against them. Yeah, and and that's the thing is that if we're going to, you know, at the beginning of the year, they embrace the national championship expectations. They completely embrace that, and they should have. Um, but when you go out and you're not playing well against, again, Nebraska, West Virginia, very good defenses. But if you are having that much trouble against Nebraska and West Virginia, how in the world are you going to score against Alabama? How are you going to score in Georgia? Yeah, no, yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a fair point. Yeah, so... Um, but no, those are good defenses. They've still got a lot to figure out. This is not all on Spencer, for by the way. I mean, like you said earlier, Max, the run game has been abysmal. They've not been able to get anything going. They're not giving, in my opinion, Kennedy Brooks the ball enough. Um, We're also used to watching this offense just like have a top five O line all the time. Right. And and you wouldn't say that's the case right now. No, but the interesting thing is I actually did this research for my mailbag today. They are much more talented per recruiting rankings than they were two and three years ago when they won when they won the Joe Moore Award in 2018. I mean the uh, the average recruiting ranking was was somewhere in the 300s. It's it's higher now. I mean they've they've recruited better. They've got because Zeus talent. would have been like the only big time guy, right? He wasn't even on that old line. In oh, he wasn't. Yeah, okay. he was already in the NFL. Um, but but. You know what? But he, his recruiting ranking wasn't all that high, though. Um, actually. Oh, I'm sorry. Excuse me. Yeah, it's the previous yeah. year they were mad because they should have won it. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah, but the, the point is, they. I think people feel like they should be better, and they should be better. They've got a, uh, you know, they've got a lot of talent on that line, and for whatever reason, it's not work. It's not clicking. Um, I think a big factor is losing Creed Humphrey and having a new center. They've they've started two different centers this year, trying to figure that out. Um, I'm not saying they can't get better, but until that O-line gets better, it doesn't matter who the quarterback is. And that's another argument I've seen for Caleb Williams is, well, he's more mobile, so it would be better. He'd be better behind a bad O-line. Maybe, but he also might completely have his confidence destroyed, and then you've destroyed the confidence of two five-star quarterbacks. Yeah. I don't really know what the what good that does. Well, I mean, look, look, I mean, you know, look at what DJ is going through right now at Clemson, right? Like, you just can't really like he had, he had some nice moments last year, but like you just can't assume you throw a guy in there and he's going to go, you know, be the best QB in the Big Twelve right away. I, I, and that's <laughs> that's that's part of why the you know the backup's always better is is always a kind of a fallacy. But um, well, do you think that the last couple last few years, guys like Trevor Lawrence, Tua coming in the national championship game, replacing Jalen Hurts, that stuff has sort of made the expectations about these freshmen maybe a little bit sure inflated sure. yeah yeah probably so probably so it's it's uh it's wild and and the, the other thing for me that that night listen to that have you know listen to that not just go on in the first half but keep going in the second half the booing and uh chanting for for Caleb Williams it, it is wild that like i mean this Heisman race is just bizarre so far you know like there's it, yeah. You know, I think this game, this this game this weekend, um, you know, Matt Corral versus Bryce Young probably will set the front runner. But after that, like, you know, <clears throat> you have to say, like, I mean, if Rattler gets on a run here, he he could go to New York still. <laughs> like, it's yeah. very wide open right now. I mean, yeah. like, you know, uh, JT Daniels, Desmond Ritter, like, who else is like really in the conversation right now? The Heisman isn't one in September. I mean, we all know that it's one in it's one in October, November, and I think that's what. That's why Spencer Rattler's not out of it, but he he's not in it right now. That that's for sure. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. Uh, um, do we want to move on to the Iron Skillet? I know Sam has some thoughts that he wants to share. Ugh. TCU losing to SMU in the Iron Skillet game, but that's not. 
I don't think that's the focus of what you want to discuss, is it, Sam? No, there's a lot of things here. So <laughs> this, as, this is this is going to take some time to unpack th- here. This, this is going to take a little time. First me, of me all, and, me and Max can just mute ourselves now, right, for a little while. <laughs> go run to the restroom. There yeah. you go. You grab, grab you some popcorn. I I was at the Iron Skillet TCU SMU hundredth uh, battle for the Iron Skillet. Fun game, by the way. Uh, SMU ended up winning forty two thirty four. Uh, they had 595 yards of offense against TCU, which is really bad against the Gary Patterson coach defense and 350 rushing yards, which second most a Gary Patterson three fifty ever allowed three fifty. It was a it was really dominant from SMU's yeah tree fifty. And so I I was impressed by SMU, but I was really taken aback by TCU how how poor they looked defensively. They were missing some guys. Noah Daniels was out. Kari Coleman was out. Corey Bethley was out. So that certainly affected him. But, man, they did not pressure Tanner Mordecai at all, uh, at least for the two plus, two and a half quarters I was there because uh, I had to leave to go to Texas A&M, Arkansas. But it was, I, I was stunned with the way TCU looked. They didn't have that edge that I thought a Gary Patterson team usually has. There was something missing there. Just, I just, I'm used oh, to the, them. The O-line, D-line component of the game was, was a butt-whooping. No, without question. Without question. And then... After the game, and you may have read this story on theathletic.com, we had me and Chris Vanini did a new story about it. There's been a lot of drama ever since. After the game, Rushy Rice, the receiver who last week said that TCU was uh, scared to play SMU last year, grabbed the flag, tried to do the Baker Mayfield flag plan at midfield, and there was a little bit of a kerfluffle at midfield confrontation between TCU and SMU players because TCU players were not trying to have it. They were trying to defend their turf and eventually one of them snatched the flag pole and, you know, pulled it away. And, and which, which there's up. an important, important point in this. And you know, this Jason, y- Jason, you were there, I believe when, when Baker Mayfield planted the flag in Columbus. No, I was not. No, you weren't. Okay. Excuse me. Um, you wait until the team leaves the field to go pull that shit. Right? Yeah. You don't Probably. do it while TCU players are still on the field. Of course they're gonna grab the flag and toss it and, and not like it. Like I mean that was the, the timing on Rice's part was was poor. Right, no doubt, no doubt. And uh Rushy Rice was clearly excited about about this win. And uh after the game, uh, Gary Patterson accu- essentially accused he didn't say it explicitly, but he intimated that a player hit a special assistant head coach, Jerry Kill. Uh, on the head with the helmet, and the, and eventually a couple of days later, he said that Kill had a concussion. Well, a lot of video angles have come out since then on social media. Not one of them shows an SMU player anywhere near Jerry Kill. So, and then Patterson uh, apparently had a discussion. There, there with, is a video of a, a TCU player knocking over Jerry. Kill. That's right. There is a video of a TCU player knocking over Jerry Kill. Uh, but Patterson on Tuesday during his nuclear news conference was supposed to walk the comments back, according to SMU Athletic Director Rick Hart, who said he talked to TCU AD Jeremiah Donati and that Patterson was supposed to walk the comments back. And, and Gary Patterson kind of really threw a little bit more fuel onto the fire. And he was upset that Kill got knocked down. And he said, well, if if they wouldn't have done the flag thing, this wouldn't have happened. And he admitted that he did not have any evidence that it or could not substantiate that it was a TCU or SMU player that knocked Kill down, even though the only video that we've seen to this point is that it was a TCU player that knocked Kill down. And it's unfortunate. Uh, he said that Kill's okay, fortunately. Yeah. He said Kill returned to work and he's okay. But uh, Rick Hart at SMU and the, and the SMU staff was really upset because they call it a complete fabrication. 
uh, Gary had accused them of having the video team in position to catch the flag planting, so saying that it was planned and all that. And I just found it to be very whiny. Uh, I, I was a little bit frustrated by, like, and Gary Patterson did give SMU credit. He said they kicked our butts on the field. You know, they dominated us, and they've got to get better. But I, I was really frustrated. He, he seemed to be upset about Sonny Dykes cooking frog legs on an iron skillet last year for a video. He was upset about Rushy Rice trash talking. And and, I and SMU that. also making fun of uh, Gary Patterson's music. That's that. Yes. Oh, my gosh. After the game, they did that a also country song, yeah. a country song that Gary Patterson wrote last year during the pandemic about the a little bit about the pandemic. I'm taking a step back, taking a step back. And they posted on SMU's Twitter account. Uh, they took a step back after they beat uh, TCU. The SMU <laughs> social media team has uh, been very active uh, in the lead up and in the aftermath of the battle for the iron skillet. So I say all that to say that. I think GP, first of all, needs to stop whining about all this stuff. Focus on football. He said he said on Tuesday after he was asked, into, in fairness, he was asked about the incident on Tuesday. Uh, but he said that, that that doesn't have an ounce of my attention. And it's all focused on Texas. But it certainly didn't sound like it. It certainly sounds like he's still a little fired up about it. And my last part of this is going to have nothing to do with the skillet itself and have nothing to do with all this. But I love seeing great players succeed and, and, and thrive. And Zach Evans, to me, is one of the great players in this state and probably going to be one of the great players in this country. And I was at that game, and he got the ball 13 times in the first two and a half quarters and had 157 yards on those 13 touches. And then he touched it five times after that in the last 22 minutes of the game. And I cannot understand why Gary Patterson is not giving Zach Evans the damn ball. Okay? in the first Two, two weeks ago against Cal, he had 18 carries, I think it was, or 20 carries, and he had – I think 23 or 24 touches in the game. And after the game, Gary Patterson said, it's not as many touches I want Zach to have. I want him to be more around 10 to 12 carries, and I want to get other guys involved. I understand that. I understand I want to keep guys fresh and all that. But Zach Evans, I think if he had given him the ball 20, 25 times, maybe that game ends up differently. And I don't understand why Gary wants to put some shackles on Zach and just limit him. He's, he's a sophomore. He hasn't played a ton. He's only got 42 touches or 42 carries so far this year, 46 touches overall. I think they should use Zach Evans the way Steve Sarkeesian uses B. John Robinson. Feed him the damn ball and let him go win a football game for you because that kid is the most talented on the field in a lot of instances. He's one of the best running back prospects Texas, the state of Texas has produced since Adrian Peterson. Physically gifted and by all accounts from TCU people has been on the straight and narrow since he's been on campus. Feed that guy the ball and let him carry you to victory. All right. Well, Sam (laughs) had a lot to say. You know, when I saw the flag plant thing, it didn't remind me so much of Baker Mayfield. It reminded me of, you guys remember when Terrell Owens played for the 49ers and he went and danced on the star and the guy came and hit him. That's that's kind of what it reminded me of. A George bit. Teague. George Teague yeah. was defending the Cowboys' glory. That's that right. Day. That's who it was. Yeah, that's who it was. I remember I that. And Terrell Owens did it multiple times that day too. Yeah, he, he kept <laughs> yeah. running to midfield yeah. and stayed on the star. And at the time, I was rooting for the 49ers, so I took a lot of great pleasure in that. That was right. a that was a great moment. I know it's hard to like. I want to. I want to say very clearly, like it sucks that Jerry Kill got pushed down. I'm glad he's. Seemingly okay and back to work. Obviously, like I'm not not trying to take any of that out of this, and and Gary Patterson is being very defensive and in, in in large part because of that, right? So, yeah, that that's important. But 
I, I got I got nothing nice to say on the rest of it. I really don't. I mean, it was embarrassing. And and you know, Sam, with that deal, there's there's clearly a, a, a like a big you know. I think Gary Patterson wants to maintain this sort of big brother little brother dynamic in this rivalry. Um, all the stuff he said about oh well they you know they beat us because they just hate us so much and we need to adjust to that and all that kind of stuff. It, it I. <sighs> It, it, it just drop it and move on. Take take the L and move on. You know, like I think it's it's uh, it was that was that was a butt whooping, and uh, they got they got to move on to um, you know much more important games than that. Uh, but yeah, wild what just wild to me, just just wild how that all went. Um, I, I I get why SMU was going going wild. Um, you know, online and in, in, in on the field, all that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, I I can't can't say that, that Gary handled that very well. And SMU's laying it on too. They yes, yesterday they put up a billboard in Fort Worth that big old SMU billboard on I thirty that says "Pony Up Fort Worth." And so SMU is there milking every little bit of this that they can because this is a big win for them. This is their second straight win in the skillet, uh, and and their their program that just got left out of the Big Twelve, the ex- new expan- Big Twelve expansion. So. Uh, them not only beating their rival, but beating a, a team that's in a conference they like to be in, but the conference that won't have them, at least at this point, uh, I'm sure they took great pleasure out of that. So they're they're certainly milking every bit of it that they can. They are on each other's schedule for, what, the next four years? Is that right, Sam? I think so, yeah. And I, I wonder if TCU is... Uh, has any interest in playing this game much after this? I, that, I hope that's, they that's what I was about to ask. Is if that if this can affect that? I, I, that's a great question. I I don't know. I'd, I'd have to look at the game contracts, but I, I certainly you can always buy your way out of a contract. But I would hope not. Because I, I, honestly, as as much as you know, we we say what we say about how Gary Patterson handled it. I've enjoyed the back and forth between the two. I mean, I certainly could do without the false accusations. But I, but the the all intensity around it and all the back and forth between the two programs that's part of what makes it fun. That's why we like rivalries, right? Is is the little bit of the trash talk, the excitement that happens when when the game goes one way. Uh, it, it to me, it's but it's but the part, conspiracy crap. We, we don't need any of that. Yeah, no, 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 not at all. Oh, the, all. the that the flag planning was pre planned and yeah. all that stuff. I mean, come on, there's no evidence of that whatsoever. Yeah, and so, and even if it was, guess what? There's a way to fix that. Don't lose on your home field. Yep, <laughs> that's really. And then, def- and then defend your logo like they did. You know, that's right. But- that, give credit to the TCU players. They they said, no, we're not having this. <laughs> they tossed we, them out y'all of the beat club. us, but you're not planting your flag. And 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 I give I give them credit for that. I I love the part of the video where I saw. I don't know who the player was, but them snatching the pole out and just taking it out of the flag completely. I enjoy that. It just was. It's just a lot of fun. I, I, I'm I glad it didn't turn into a brawl. I'm glad Jerry Kill and others weren't seriously hurt. Likewise. But like the flag planning thing, I don't. I don't find that offensive. It's, yeah. it's not a big deal. I don't really find it offensive either. I mean, if you don't want it to happen, then win. I mean, it's the same thing. And I, I hadn't really thought of it like that. Like you guys just said, if <laughs> if it was pre planned there's a really easy way. You know, just don't don't get beat. Right? Also, you really <laughs> and you can't don't have to worry about it. You can't. You know, a lot of these these places are that turf with the rubber in it yeah you can't exactly even the ones that are grass fields that that dirt is pretty firm you can't really plant it in there so i mean it's (laughs) i remember the the baker mayfield thing he threw it down and then it fell down right away yeah for sure uh this this sport it's 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 fun but man that was that was a headache to follow all the developments of that one here over, over the week yeah 
Yeah, what a what a wild uh, wild turn of events. I'll be interested to follow that moving forward. Um, do we want to do some Jacob Zeno appreciation real quick, fellas? Shout out to Jacob Zeno. Yeah, the to Baylor uh, reserve quarterback. He entered the transfer portal uh, this week. Uh, he, he competed for the starting job with Gary Bohannon and Blake Shapin. Bohannon, of course, won that job and is a starter. But Zeno holds a special place in our hearts from the 2019 Big 12 Championship where – we we didn't really know who he was at that point. Uh, Charlie Brewer had been knocked out. Gary Bohannon had been a little inconsistent when he came been in. Banged up in that Brewer, game. Yeah, banged yeah. up. Yeah, and, and he was a little banged up. And Jacob Zeno comes in out of nowhere and throws an 81 yard touchdown pass to Trusted Ebner in the fourth quarter against Oklahoma. On his first pass. Yeah. On his and, first pass. His unreal. first collegiate pass. It was. It was incredible. So I, I remember being there that it, moment, it, and I was. It like, wasn't a touchdown, was it? I it don't was think a it touchdown. Was a, yeah, yeah, the second w- pass that he completed to Chris oh, Pratt. He, was he not completed a two big passes. Right. That's yeah. the second, right. The second one was a seventy-eight yard. That's Chris right. Pratt, and I can't remember it, who it was, but one of the Oklahoma DBs tra- ran him down. Tra- Trey Brown. Trey, Trey Brown, Brown ran him down, that, and if and and this was you know Chris Platt, um, you know late in his career after an ACL and stuff. If, if early career Chris Platt would have scored on that. Oh, without question. He, yeah. Uh, there's no, there's no way he would have get. Well, y'all remember, like there was, there was a playoff spot on the line in that game too. You know. Oh yeah, the winner was going to the playoff. Probably. Pretty much, pretty yeah. much. I mean, yeah, it, it, that was an incredible. I mean, I think that that was an incredible moment. By the way, to come back to our earlier conversation, last year, Baylor fans chanted, "We want Zeno" when Charlie Brewer wasn't playing very well, and now, and now Jacob Zeno's gone. So you know, you never know. The fans are pretty sure that they that they know who the best QB is on the team, but. You know, look at look at Gary Bohannon killing it. You know, that's the other thing that I that you know not to bring it all back. And Charlie Brewer left for for, you know that's one of many reasons. But you know, it's it there are consequences to that too. Yeah, not to bring it all back to that, but I do. I this is a point I wanted to make earlier. I think the fans also need to think about what that does to Caleb Williams. That's an you're putting Caleb Williams in an incredibly awkward position when you chant that. Oh, the national TV cameras went to him when this was all going on and he was just sort of looking around. I mean, he wasn't like he was trying to like block it out. But yeah, that had to be bizarre. Like how are you supposed to be a good teammate during all that? You know, by the by the way, uh, my apologies to Chris Platt. I done called him Chris Pratt and made him the Parks and Rec. (laughs) 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 I'm so so sorry. And I should know that because he played uh, down here in the Houston area, Willis High School. Uh, So uh, I I remember when he came out uh, very like you said. Sprinter, uh, super fast guy, uh, but but the Zeno depending moment, on which phase of his career Chris Pratt was in, he might have been easy to, to run down. Now he's a beast, you know. But <laughs> I know I see during I the see Parks days, days, not so hard. No, no, but he 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 got yoked up over time. So, he did. Uh, but Chris Platt, man, he could fly. And uh, but Jacob Zeno, that was a uh, man. Imagine how moment. yoked up the three of us could get if like we had the Disney machine behind us making us work out oh five gosh. times a day for a year. Oh, get a nutritionist. <laughs> If just, we were just an aside, yeah, I know, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, that's but, great. But that that was a fun moment. I, it was a very oh my god, WTF moment when Zeno came in because Baylor could not get anything going offensively. That day. no, they were they were on the struggle bus, and he got them ten points in the fourth quarter to first overtime. But, but as was often the case with that Oklahoma team, Jason, you know, Jalen Hurts gave, gave the other team a chance to come back in it. You know, yeah, yeah, he did. That was a that was a great game. Overtime. It was a hell of a game. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and Oklahoma and Baylor gave us two awesome games that year. Oh my gosh, yeah, the first oh, one. Yeah. Yeah. Unre- I mean, Taylor two halves with that it? one. 28-3, yep. Yeah, I remember that. I Crazy. I, boy, ba- McLean Stadium was rocking. Yeah. That night. Yeah. Uh, 
it, it really was. And uh, the way Oklahoma flipped that and Nick Benito, I remember getting a big stop at the end. Uh, it was it was a really raucous atmosphere. That was that was a fun college football game. That first Baylor Oklahoma game in 2019, for sure, for sure. So you know, shout out to Jacob Zeno. Bummer that it didn't work out for him in in, in Waco. But uh, you know, first of, I'm sure a lot of good QBs going into the portal this offseason to find new homes. Maybe Charlie Brewer will too. I guess we'll see with him. But um, you know, you you would think Sam at least among the schools in Texas, that's a, that's a kid that uh, is going to have some options. Oh, without question. I mean, I could see a place like a place like Houston would be interested. They they they're after Clayton Tune. Uh, they don't have a ton of uh, depth beyond him. Uh, UTSA. He's a San Antonio kid. Uh, you know, UTSA has a lot of quarterbacks right now. But uh, but I could see Jeff Trailer uh, taking a look at at Jacob Zeno, trying to bring him back to his his home area, uh, where he could be a contributor. Frank Harris is a senior, so uh, who's to say? But yeah, he. I think he'll have a lot of suitors. For sure, I think he's a talented kid. Uh, by all accounts, uh, a hard worker. Uh, but also, hats off uh, the hats off to Gary Bohan, and he's taking that job and run with it. He's been really impressive. Eight hundred twenty-three yards, seven touchdowns, no interceptions for Gary Bohannon since he's taken over the starting job. Yeah, Sam, and, and man, what a game in in Waco last week. You know, I mean, that was and, and I think we kind of called it that that was a game not just where the clones were going to be on upset alert there, uh, just as they were in nineteen, but I mean. I, pretty pretty compelling game, you know. Certainly, the special teams there by Baylor made all the difference in a, in a super close game, and you know, certainly not not the best two point conversion call for Iowa State there at the very end. But man, it's it's it one of those games that sort of sets the tone, I think, for this race where you know the teams that were bad last year, I think, are probably pretty good. Um, and uh, you know, I I think that. Bummer for Iowa State, obviously, to start two and two here. Fascinating to see where they go. You know, it was good to see Brees Hall get back to form um, in that game. But man, they—I don't know. It, it, as talented as I thought they would be, and they still are talented. It just seems like you know some, something's off with that team still. Um, again, you know, played two two. You lost to two great defenses potentially. You know, in terms of the end of the year. Don't you think Baylor's going to end up looking pretty good? I mean, you know, the Terrell Bernard piece obviously is is huge and 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 disappointing um but man that Baylor defense uh came up with some good answers yeah no doubt uh and for the record Aranda said Bernard's probably out this week he could be back next week for West Virginia it's it's unfortunate though because man he's been through a lot physically for sure uh since he's been on campus and he's such an integral part to their defense but you know they got some really big impacts from Garmin Randolph and that defense overall, I think, is still pretty solid. Uh, you know, they they jumped out to that twenty one ten lead. The offense has been good. They're they're more than halfway to where I thought they'd be. I thought they'd be probably a six win team, a bowl team, and they're more than halfway there. Uh, I, I yeah. look at the rest of the yeah. schedule, and this could be an eight win Baylor team. I think if they play their cards right. Uh, you know, I, I look at you know obviously this week at Oklahoma State will be interesting, but they've got West Virginia at home on October 9th. They've got a road game at TCU. That right now, obviously, TCU is looking a little shaky. And then at the, they close out at K-State and hosting Texas Tech. So uh, depending on how things shake out, I, I think this could be a team that wins eight games uh, based on the way they look. If they keep playing the way they have on that offensive line, uh, this is this this is a bright outlook for this Baylor team. It, and and, and it, with how we think the Big 12 is looking right now, unless Texas is going to go on some crazy run here, um, and certainly their game against Texas Tech was pretty eye-opening, I thought. Um Apparently that Sark guy is good at calling plays. Um, <laughs> I think um, you know there's I you know if you say Baylor could be an eight win team, 
you know, it, it, would, wouldn't you say it's possible that an eight win team could be in the Big 12 title game this year in that two spot? Ah, uh, that would that would be wild to think about. Uh, but or maybe a nine, maybe it's a nine win team this year. In it's probably it could be. You know? I could see a nine win team. I think eight eight might be a little bit much, but you know, who's to say? Like I said, the the from two to nine, hell, honestly, with Oklahoma the way they look, honestly, from one to nine, yeah, it, it's been pretty competitive, and and I think that you can't really rule anything out at this point because of. How competitive some of these games have been, how and some of the surprises we've seen early on. So uh, that that would be that would be interesting. Certainly wouldn't help the conference playoff hopes, but it, uh, it, it I would I wouldn't rule out a nine and three team getting into the Big Twelve title. Well, we're gonna find out a lot uh, on that front this weekend. That's a nice transition into picks, guys. Do we want to go through the pick standings, Max? Would you like to skip that part today? Or? <laughs> it says here. It's here that I'm 10 and 21. Is that true? That is that true. Is, that's accurate. Oh, man. And Sam, Sam and I are both 18 and 13. So I like it. I, I Jason, I was taking the lead last week, but I, I took a couple I don't think losses. I've been making like bold picks at any point in this either. That's the that's the scary thing. It's not like I'm just yeah. messing around here. Like, no, I felt pretty good about all the picks I've made. So um, your reasoning has been sound on all of your picks. As far I as think I can so. remember. I'm th- and yeah. I'm glad we all rode the Jayhawks last week. That was looking pretty good in the third quarter there. Until it they was, got blown out, you know, <laughs> um, I think I got to switch it up this week. I-, I think I have to. My first thought was I'm just going to listen to what you guys pick and then pick the opposite of that. But then. Or just copy your picks. Maybe I should just sort of like ride your your coattails here and, and get try, try to get back to five hundred that way. Um, <laughs> but I think clearly, if I'm ten and twenty one, I'm doing something right. I'm just it's just you just got to flip it. You know, I'm doing I'm, I'm, you just got to flip it. I'm just dead wrong on everything here. So if you're if you're a gambler and you're twenty one and ten, which means you'd be picked in all the yeah. opposite games that Max said, you'd be cashing. Oh my god! If you, if you've been going against me all, all year. Congrats. Let's keep let's keep it rolling. Um, but <laughs> I yeah. think I need to go. Jason, do you think I need to just go full Costanza and just start doing the opposite this week? Every decision I've ever made in my entire life has been wrong. <laughs> my life is the complete opposite of everything I want it to be. Every instinct I have in every aspect of life, be it something to wear, something to eat, it's often wrong. <laughs> Tuna on toast, coleslaw, cup of coffee. Yeah. No, 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 wait a minute. I always have tuna on toast. Nothing's ever worked out for me with tuna on toast. <laughs> I want the complete opposite of tuna on toast. Chicken salad on rye. <laughs> Untoasted with a side of potato salad and a cup of tea. <laughs> <laughs> I think you do. I think that uh, you know that worked out pretty well for him in that episode. So, I guess that's 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 what I'm left to do this week. All right. Well, then uh, then that's what Max is going to do. And let's let's go ahead and start. We'll start with you, Max, and we'll start with Oklahoma, Kansas State. I'm a little surprised here that Oklahoma is a ten and a half point favorite. Not only because of Oklahoma's recent offensive struggles, but also because Kansas State's kind of had their number here the last couple of years. Well, I, I, I think OU will cover, so I'm going to go K-State plus 10 and a half. All right. <laughs> this, this well, I mean, what am go. I supposed to do? You know? This I'm gonna, is how it's going to go. Yeah. I'm going to love this. Yeah. I'm going to love every bit of this. Let's do it. Sa- S- Sam, what you got on this one? I'm going to take Oklahoma to cover. I think they're going to bounce back. The, the other thing is, is with the quarterback injuries Kansas State has right now, t- tough, tough sledding right now. 
Chris Kleiman, you know, he was asked about Skylar Thompson. He said it's unlikely that he's back this week. Uh, I did. I was amused by the reaction of Oklahoma fans who were all are like, I don't believe you that the Skylar Thompson's not going to be back this week. But I, I don't think he will be. So, hey, uh, worth, worth pointing out, kind of a nightmare first half for K-State last week against Oklahoma State. Second half went a lot better. Yeah. Yeah. That's no still, that game still ended up, you know, not being too embarrassing of a score. And, and Oklahoma State kind of shut it down offensively there. So. Um, I'm I'm not picking this just off K State's had their number or whatever. I think this is probably the get right game for Oklahoma, but this is what I'm stuck with. You know, yeah, I got I got to ride the dogs, the home yeah. the home dog. There you go, the home dog. Yeah, but no, K State's track record's been pretty good. I just man with the quarterback situation, I I have a tough time picking them, so I'm going to take Oklahoma to cover. All right, well I am going to take Kansas State to cover the uh, plus ten and a half. I still think OU will win the game, probably, but that just that spread seems too big to me. So, so I'm going to take the the Wildcats to cover. The next one is another interesting one with a little bit of a uh, a history, a recent history here. Texas, TCU. Sam, we'll we'll start with the Texpert on this one. What do you? Uh, Texas is a five and a half point favorite. So a couple of interesting things on here, like like you mentioned, TCU. Seven and two against Texas since they've been in the Big 12. This is the game that Gary Patterson's team gets up for. Uh, one interesting stat this was from the Reddit CFB account. Since TCU joined the Big 12, TCU is five and 14 in games the week before and the week after they play Texas. But they're seven <laughs> wow. and two against Texas. So <laughs> they don't play well going into Texas. They don't play well coming out of Texas, but they play well against Texas. And I get all that. And Steve Tarkesian said, you know, on. Monday, hey, we're not naive to the elephant in the room that we're two and seven, but we're also not going to buy the lie that we're playing the same TCU team that we played against SMU, that played against SMU on Saturday. So I get all that, but after what I saw on the field with my own two eyes at Amon G. Carter Stadium on Saturday, I just cannot, in good faith, take TCU to win this game nor to cover. And especially after Texas dropped 70 on Texas Tech. Ooh, Texas Tech's defense is pretty good. They, they were one of the better defenses statistically in the country after three weeks. The way Casey Thompson has that offense rolling, I think Texas is going to win and cover the points, and I don't think this game is going to be particularly close, despite the history between those two teams. I think Texas wins and covers. Max? You know, the strange thing is Texas, uh, like the la- you think like the last two of these games, Sam, like just a lot of weird stuff has happened. You know, um, the last one in Fort Worth, um, Ellinger threw a bunch of picks, pretty uncharacteristic game. Um, last year, bunch of bizarre stuff happened and, and, you know, Texas let TCU hang around and, and TCU, um, you know, took advantage of the end and, and won it. Duggan's played well in these games. Um, I, you know, so even when Texas has been the better team over the season, they, they just don't play right in these, these games. Um. I, I really like Texas to cover the five and a half, so I'm going to take TCU plus five and a half. <laughs> I am enjoying. I am enjoying this. Is, this. this is this is the best. Yeah, uh, this is this is going to be so much fun. We still got seven more games to go. All right. of this. So all right. I, I'm I'm really uh, really excited now, Max. How foolish are you going to feel when you end up going like, I don't know. You know, two and seven this week. Like this week and, is my and, slump buster, but yeah, I, I, and, and I flipped And like, them and off. like, if you just gone with your gut, you would have been seven and two. You know what? I I respect the strategy. I'm not trying to talk you out. Of I'm it. not saying this is the season long strategy here. This is just, uh, <laughs> oof. We gotta we gotta shake it up. We gotta do something. 
All right, well, let's let's go next to uh, Texas Tech, West Virginia. This is an interesting one. The Mountaineers, again, looked very good against Oklahoma last week. Texas Tech did not look very good last week, but has not had a bad season, I would say, so far overall. Sam, uh, let's start with you. What, what do you got on this one? I'm going to take Tech to cover, West Virginia to win outright. I think it, it's going to be hard to go on the road and beat the Mountaineers, but I, I think Tech will keep it competitive. I know a lot of people lost their mind over – uh, Texas Tech giving up 70 te- to Texas uh, offensive line. Uh, Texas offensive line de- dominated Texas defensive line. But I still think they could score enough points to keep this one close. I don't think West Virginia's line is going to do quite what Texas did to, to Tech. And they-, they are down a couple players, though. Henry Columbia the, uh, is the backup quarterback. He's in now for Tyler Shuck, who's out with a broken collarbone until uh, November. Marquise Waters out for the year. Uh, Big-time safety Money. transfer. So. It's muddy. muddy, muddy's out. It's it's tough, tough going for Texas Tech. But the way Columbia came in and played in tough circumstances last week against uh, Texas, he hit 300 yards passing, three touchdowns, hit some really big passes. I think he's he started four games last year. I think he's ready to compete. But I still think West Virginia right now, especially coming off the way they fought against Oklahoma, uh, took that game down to the wire. I know it was a heartbreaker to not win that, but I think. The way that team's playing right now, I think they win it, but I think it's a close game. I think Tech covers the seven. <clears throat> J- Jason, when you watch West Virginia um, on on Saturday, I'm, I'm curious if you maybe had the conclusion I had, which is like I, I knew going into the season this team was was still kind of a year away in terms of just the building they're doing. Do you feel like they're just a transfer QB away from being a Big Twelve contender? That's it. I didn't think about that in the moment. And I'm not but, to but, be but clear. I know West Virginia's it. fan base is way out on Diggy, really harsh on him. They all yeah. think Garrett Green's, you know, the savior and stuff. Clearly, he's, you know, the staff feels strongly that Garrett Green's not ready for this. But I feel like you watch them, and there's other stuff that happened in that game. But I just feel like, you know, they they certainly they took Austin Kendall and, and Jared Diggy in year one to get him to this point. I just wonder if they're just sort of like one dynamic guy at that spot away from from really being right. Yeah, no, I think that's a great point, and and I completely agree because that defense is damn good. I mean, they are damn good, especially up front. They are so impressive. Um, so I, I, yeah, I, I, I agree. I think that that's, that's absolutely correct. And I'd be interested to see what they, what they do in the off season. Yeah. I, I think, um, this one, this one I'm kind of back and forth on. Um, I, you know, I think I probably want to take West Virginia. So let's go Texas tech plus seven. Um, but I think that, (laughs) and, and the weird thing is that there, there've been, you know, moments when, um, uh, was this last year or the year before where Western News looked looked good and then they went was it last year they went down to they were playing well and then they went to Lubbock and kind of laid an egg I think that was right yeah it was, it was last year that they that they lost the, that was, I, that was I think one you're right Sam I, I think they're going to be able to move the ball with Columbia um, and uh, yeah I shoot I, I guess I'll go Texas Tech plus seven here but only only to continue the bit <laughs> yeah well you're you're in it now. There's no backing out. Now. Yeah. Um, uh, okay. <laughs> I'm gonna go West Virginia. Um, I'll I'll, uh, I'll be different on this one. I'm I'm gonna go West Virginia. Maybe it's just recency bias because I saw them last week, but I think this is a really really solid team. Um, it, it, it also could just be that like with these like these kind of teams playing each other, that it that you know seven's just too many points. I agree. Know? That that's really where I, that's really where I come down to it on that one. All right, guys, next up, we got Baylor 
and Oklahoma State playing. Uh, we've already talked about Baylor and, and how impressive they've been. Oklahoma State still undefeated. Oklahoma State a three-and-a-half-point favorite at home. Max, we'll start with you this time. Who is who you don't believe will cover? <laughs> um, I, I like this Baylor team. I, so I think that I'm going to have to go Oklahoma State minus three-and-a-half. Um, I think we're still just sort of trying to find out what Oklahoma State can do still. you know. And I thought that um, – certainly I thought the first half, like I said, uh, of that game – um, you know, they kind of, kind of a nightmare first half for, for, you know, K-State with the Will Howard situation and, you know, some of the turnovers they had and stuff. But, um, you know, I think, I think this team is still building and building and, and, and getting better and, uh, and figuring out their offensive stuff too. So, um, I would be inclined to go Baylor, um, you know, covering the three and a half. So I guess I'm, I'm taking the pokes. You know, I, I kind of want to pick Baylor too, but here's the thing, man. I, I have been bad talking Oklahoma State over the first four, first few weeks after they've looked rough in these games, and they continue to win. Yeah. And Spencer Sanders looked really good last week. 344 yep. yards, two touchdowns, no picks. I think it's super With encouraging. Tay Martin back, that passing game opened Tay, up a lot better. Tay Martin was, yeah. was fantastic. I'm going to take the pokes because they just continue to win. And at some point, I need to just give them the benefit of the doubt and say that they're going to win. They're at home. This is going to be fired up for a 4-0 Baylor team that's coming in off that Iowa State upset. I think the Pokes are going to take it. I take them to win and to cover. All right. Well, I'm going to go the opposite of you guys. I'm going to go Baylor. I think I, I'm, I'm just impressed uh, with what they've done this year. So I'm going to go with Baylor. Uh, next up, Kansas at Iowa State. Iowa State, a 34-and-a-half point favorite. This one's kind of a tough one. <sighs> yeah. This one's kind of a tough one. It's really tough. Um, who wants to go first? I'll go first. I'll go first because it's going to give us a chance to give a shout out to some of your friends, Jason. I was on uh, Horns and Horses, the Horns and Horses podcast this week. Your German buddies that Horns and uh, Horses do the the big the German Big Twelve podcast. They're uh, the best. Focus on Texan the OU. They're really nice. They were they. I was on their show on Monday. Really cool guys. Really enjoyed being on with them. And we did picks also. And I took Iowa State to cover the 34 and a half. But I've gotten a little nervous about it because, again, Kansas has been super competitive in these games. And, and Iowa State, 2-2, two and two, has not looked great. I hate, to, I hate to go back on what I picked on Monday, but the more I've thought about it, I think Kansas is going to cover. Uh, 34 and a half is such a big number. And it, it's it was so a, big. I, I think I think if it was less miles Kansas, yeah. I think I would take Iowa State to cover. But Lance Leipold Kansas, I'm going to take Jayhawks to to cook be within 34 and a half points. All right, Max. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> this is a this is a tough one. This is really a tough one for me. Um so uh I'm honestly, I'm I'm gonna go against my you know against my my thinking here, and I'm gonna go Iowa State to cover the 34 and a half, but I think it's too many points probably. Yeah, I do too. I mean, I I think based on what we've seen from Kansas, they've been able to be competitive um, in these games. I I, I just and they just I they just need to hold. You know, I mean, I'm not saying that it's gonna be you know a one or two score game late, but they just need to you know they fell apart down the stretch there against Duke last week. You just got to hang in there, and uh, you know. Um, stay like, within five touchdowns. <laughs> yes, you do. You, sh- you just have to stay within five touchdowns. <laughs> so, <laughs> I think they can do it. Um, and uh, Max, I'm noticing now that 
we have picked opposite on four out of the five so far. So this is really a chance for so you. That's to good catch for you. Up. That's a, that's a good time for you. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So next up we got, we're going to go into our future big 12 teams, uh, Houston, Cincinnati, UCF, BYU, Houston, Tulsa, Tulsa, four and a half point favorite over Sam's alma mater. So Sam, you want to do the honors on this one? When was the last time a one in three team that lost to UC Davis, a four and a half point favorite? This is a fishy line. Yes. I completely agree. I thought the same thing, but you know what though? Uh, I'm going to take Tulsa. I'm going to take Tulsa to win and cover because I know my my university. It's one of, it's one of those Friday night games. It's, you it, know it's going to get a, crazy. It's a Friday night game. I know Dana hates the Friday night games. He hates the short weeks. Uh, he was complaining about it on Monday. But something's – it's just – Houston's got to prove it to me, okay? They 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 had this great start against Tech but then looked rough after that. After that. And – you know, they, they were a little sketchy the last couple of weeks in, in spots. So the Rice game was pretty good, but the Grambling game, eh. They had a little bit of rough start. Clayton Toon's been banged up. Uh, Tulsa, th- this is a good – I think this is a did, team that's did not Tulsa, played well. Like, did they or did they not play with Ohio State pretty well? That's the thing. They they played they, – I thought they competed really, really well in that. Uh, I think they're, they're at home, and this is – I don't know. It's just – I can't explain it, but – the Vegas line just spooked me, and I'm just like, you know what? What do they know that I don't? So I'm going to take <laughs> right. Tulsa to cover. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm taking Tulsa as well. Um, you know, I think that, that that one I felt was a little suspicious, um, but maybe there's a reason for that. So I, I would be inclined to take Houston. Um, but it's going to be one of those crazy Friday night games. I, I always like when we have at least one of those that's that's worth tuning in on, you know, because – Cause we're boring now, you know. We don't go out Friday nights. We don't get. To, we don't do fun stuff. So it's just, <laughs> uh, you know, if there's one of these games that that pops off, that's always a good thing. Cause we're going to bed by ten o'clock, you know. So, um, <laughs> so yeah, I'll take the I'll take Tulsa cover in the four and a half. Uh, yeah, I'm inclined to go Houston, and I'm not picking. I'm not Costanzing this, so I'm gonna go with Houston. Okay, um, I think. I think the UC Davis thing is is stuck in my head, and I can't get past it, whether I sh- whether I should or shouldn't. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the Cougs. Next, we'll go out west uh, for BYU Utah State. BYU is a nine point favorite in this one. Um, Max, what what are you thinking on this one? You know, this was this was another sort of rock bottom you know betting moment for me last weekend. Texting with two of my buddies. Um, they they sent me a bunch of lines, and uh, you know they asked me what what I liked. I said I said BYU covering twenty four against USF was probably a safe one. So they bet their actual money on on my uh, my pick there. BYU oh, no. was up twenty one early. Um, don't know what the hell happened in that game, but they only won by uh, only won by eight. So that was that was sort of when the guilt kicked in of man I'm terrible at this this year and now it's starting to hurt other people you know and that's um it's really troubling um so based on BYU doing that to me last weekend um uh, I I have to uh I think BYU will cover this so I'm going to go Utah State plus 9 <laughs> uh Which roll, might, I don't know I mean we'll see but I mean that's BYU you've you've cost my friend some money and uh and so now it's kind of personal you know, we get we get just uh, completely my get, fault. Oh man, we get we get two Friday night future Big Twelve members. Uh, that should be that should make for fun. 
a fun Friday night. I uh, I'm gonna roll with the Cougs. Uh, BYU four and zero. They're still playing well. Yeah, they should have finished that game a little bit better, but uh, you know they were up they were up twenty one nothing at one point, up twenty seven six. I think I think Kalani Sitaki will get them right, get them to finish a little bit better this week. So I'll take BYU to cover. I will as well. I'll take BYU to cover as well. Um, I think they're playing really well, and and uh, yeah, going to take them to cover the nine. Okay, so we got two more games to go. Two more future Big 12 members. One of the games of the damn week here. That's right. Yes. Cincinnati at Notre Dame. Let's go. What, what, what an exciting matchup. Uh, you know, real chance for Cincinnati to, to prove itself against a, against a big-time opponent. Um, and really, Notre Dame a chance to prove itself against a big-time opponent, too, because Cincinnati's pretty big-time. So Cincinnati's a one-and-a-half-point favorite in South Bend. How about that? Max? I have I've been a pretty big believer from the start of the season that I thought Cincinnati was going to beat Indiana and Notre Dame. Um, they checked one of those off. wasn't very pretty against Indiana, but they checked that off. Um, so I I I think Cincinnati's going to win this game. So I got to take Notre Dame. You know, plus one and a half at home. <laughs> that, I mean, and, and I, I can't wait to watch this game. Honestly, it's gonna and, and to any like Big Twelve uh, folks out there who want to like figure out, yeah, I'm not. You know, this is a big stage. You know, road favorite at Notre Dame is, is sort of a crazy situation to be in. But um, man, if 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 you want to see what Luke Fickle's team can do, I don't know. Maybe they'll lay an egg in this, but I, I think that this is going to be a hell of a fight by them, and and uh, just a great great opportunity to figure out if they're real. And and you guys know. In this fourteen playoff era, you you can't even get in the conversation for like top eight unless you have one of these kind of wins. That's right. So it would be really phenomenal if Cincinnati could do this. And 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 you know, no matter how Notre Dame finishes, if you have a road win at Notre Dame, I think that gives them the kind of legitimacy that the committee has to take them seriously, especially if they you know run the table here. Yeah, I, I agree. This this to me is a seminal moment for a group of five playoff contender. Like, if it's ever the, the only time that we've talked about the group of five playoff contenders in the past, well, last year, of course, we had Cincinnati in the conversation, Coles Carolina. But but the only times that it felt like there was any real legitimacy to me was 2017 when UCF went undefeated, which of course I got left out. And then Bill Hancock always likes to cite 2016 Houston, which beat Oklahoma and beat a top five Louisville team, but they lost three games that year. And he always likes to say if they would have won all of their games, they, they, they would have defeated. If, well, okay, if you've got to win over in Oklahoma, then yeah, yeah. then we then you would have a chance. Well, and guess so this what? This is the moment. This is the chance right here. A Cincinnati against a top ten Notre Dame team on the road. This is the chance. And 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 as a guy who graduated from a group of five school. Likes group of five schools. I hope they win. Desmond Ritter, Tyler Scott, I'm taking the Bearcats to win and cover. All right. I I am as well. I think Cincinnati is legit. I think they're a, a legitimate team, and I, I think they're going to win as well. So um, that would be a huge moment, a huge moment for the group of five. Um, all right. Last game, guys, UCF and Navy. UCF is a 16 16- Point favorite. I don't know if you can hear it. It's starting to rain here in Oklahoma City. I don't know if that's causing any. Uh, anyway, um, it's hitting my it's hitting my window pretty hard. So I didn't know if you guys could hear it. <laughs> I cannot hear it. <laughs> okay, good. All right, so let's get to this then. UCF Navy. Um, who wants to take the last I'll, one? I'll, I'll start. Navy. Uh, 
Navy was competitive against Houston last week, but so so Navy was a twenty and a half point dog against mm-hmm. Houston last week and only lost by eight, right? We all right. lost that one. I'm pretty we all, sure we all took that L. Yeah, they they were they were up seventeen seven on Houston in the third quarter actually, so they they played a lot better. But this UCF team is a lot faster, in my opinion, a lot better than than that Houston team. So I'll take UCF to cover. I think I would usually like. I think I would like UCF to cover this too. Certainly, the QB situation would be interesting to watch this week. Um, so I think I, w- I would take UCF. So let's go Navy plus sixteen, and I don't feel that bad about it based on what they did last week. You know. Yeah, this was a tough one. I I actually had a hard time with this one. I'm going to take UCF for kind of the same reason Sam said. I think they're they're a really fast team, really really talented team, but. Um, but Navy was was pretty impressive last week, so that should be that should be an interesting one to watch. All right, Max, I cannot wait to see how this experiment goes for you. Honestly, I'm I'm going to be paying extra attention to each of these games <laughs> to see how this uh, to see if see if this can be your comeback moment. And if it is, now let me ask you this: if this works, because you'll you'll jump way high in the standings if this works. Gonna, I hadn't thought of it that way. I hadn't thought of it that way as like a way to, to to sort of like make a big jump on you guys. Uh, mostly because I'd assume this won't work. Um, but uh, <laughs> it's possible. It's possible if this if I if I do crazy well on this, then uh, maybe we got to let it ride. Because maybe just my all my instincts have been uh, just like you know close but bad. You know, so maybe we can flip it to. Maybe flip it to good here. So you know, if you if you win the week, you got to let it ride. I think you got to keep it going. Here's the thing, week. though. I do hate to sort of I do hate to subvert what I've been doing because I do want the people. If anyone wants to bet against me, you know, if anybody wants to take, here's what Max says. He's wrong on everything. So let's let's do this. <laughs> like I hate to sort of throw off your 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 game if this is what you've been doing. I don't advise anyone spend real money on uh, on any of my thoughts on this stuff right now because I'm I'm still uh, I'm still working it out. But uh, excited to see how this goes. Me too. Friday night's going to be the the canary in the coal mine for us. It's going to it's going to let us know how it's going for you. Yeah. So, well, that was this. This has been a lot of fun, guys. Thanks, guys, and thanks to all of you as always for listening. We're here every Thursday in the Andy Staples Show and Friends feed. So, if you haven't already, please subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also find our stories on the Athletic. If you're still not a subscriber to the Athletic, you can sign up. With our latest promotional offer, theathletic.com slash one true pod. That's theathletic.com slash O N E true pod. You're going to get comprehensive coverage of the, this Big 12 season and the future of the conference. So now is a great time to sign up. We'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.